Love and marriage, love and marriage Go together like a horse and carriage You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. elementary. Oh my gosh, now we're recording. Oh, good. You missed my crying. <laughs> my crying story. Hello. Okay. So who has asked? Who are we? Bruce asked Mel about, hey, I want to hear more about level five communication after he heard the level five. Oh, I just had multiple people comment about level five and your example of it and how that was semi-rocking to them. It was very rocking. I think I picked like the hardest thing to say and peace out. (laughs) I really liked it, though. <laughs> I was like, that, yes! We are those... not doing level five communication. <laughs> and something so difficult as that. like That would have definitely begged a hundred more questions. Do oh, right. Yeah, I do. I said, like, if you came home at night. Oh, about the guy and the and said, perfume. Yeah. With the secretary. Right. And that he just wanted to let you know. I know. That opened Pandora's box. That's good, Six though. months of work right we, there. we got to talk about this kind of stuff. Oh, I think it's great. I loved it. Don't let it sit in a dark little puddle. Like, get it out. What were their responses? And also, like, yeah, oh what were gosh, the responses? horrifying. I, can't, I was trying to remember who it was. I wouldn't say on the podcast anyways if I could remember. But one woman was saying that they were – that was so rocking to them because they would have never even thought about – I mean, that had never entered their mind – as a possibility to share with anyone ever. Mm. Like, why would anyone even acknowledge that verbally? And so it's interesting to me, like, looking at these five levels of communication, especially number five, does number five not even occur to people as mm-hmm. a possibility for discussion? Right. Let's find out. And where do you think we learn that? Do you think that's human nature? Or do you think we're taught that human through nurture? Nature. I think we're taught that. I think it's probably both. I was going to say, it's Genesis. <laughs> it's people running away. Hide, 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 hide. Why would you ever talk about that? And that conversation wasn't even about something they had done. Nothing had happened. That would be a whole another conversation. That was just an actual experience that showed vulnerability. But the repercussions for that to be extraordinarily embarrassing once it's out loud or in the light shocking and embarrassing and shame-filled. I think that's taught then, because if you had a normal human experience, slash, we'll call it temptation, that you didn't act on, there's no need for that to be embarrassing. That was taught Mm. that you are a better person if you are perfect in your thoughts and actions, and you're a less good person if you have thoughts. And the truth is, if everybody wants to be honest, everybody has thoughts and temptations. They're just deciding all day what to do with it. So it wouldn't need to be embarrassing. I I would say that's definitely taught. (laughs) Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Jay Liz Alto. You gave yourself away. (laughs) It's Kaylor. I can't say ho. Perk. It's Kalo Perk. (laughs) 
She doesn't want to do that. We have to have middle names now. Okay. You can just go. We are here with Mel Joy. Good. (laughs) Welcome, Melanie Good. So great to have you here again today. Wonderful as always. Melanie Good. And that's being authentic. Is that being authentic? So authentic. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful as always. (laughs) She loves this. Mel was first on our podcast last year during the month of love. February 28th, 2021, she was here sharing her life experience and talking about divorce. And she said we were mean because we had her on the month of love. But she was so great and had such a great story. We brought her back for the live Shine podcast at our Thrive Conference talking about healthy relationships. And that aired January 3rd, 2022. So if you missed either one of Mel's episodes, go back and listen to them. They're fabulous. Mel is a licensed independent social worker. She has 26 years in the social work field working with outpatients and families. She's been a counselor for 11 years. She has her own counseling business, Melanie Genova Counseling. You can look that up on Facebook. Her expertise is couples, betrayal trauma, relationship dynamics, coping skills, and life management. And so we're so blessed to have her on today. Following up with a conversation that got started on our episode with the Thrive Conference about levels of communication, and she shared about this, and many people were curious about this. So as we're talking in the month of love this year, February 2022, we thought we have to have Mel back and dive in a little bit about communication. So today we're talking about five levels of communication. Thanks for joining us again, Mel. Sure thing. So Mel, you brought this up at our last podcast talking about the five levels of communication. And she left us hanging at level five at the end of the conference. Mm. And Kate, we've been talking, (laughs) we've been talking about level five communication in our shine group, which has been going on for 16 years. I don't know if we knew the official definition of it. Right. We had we had the concept. So Mel is here to give us. And I still think, though, 16 years later, we're still work. I mean, it takes a while to get number five. Sure. To get level five. Oh, my goodness. So let's just start with the basic definitions of each levels. Level one is where people share cliches and superficiality. Yeah, and then I want you guys to evaluate as we go where we're at, where you're at over the years and how comfortable you would be in each space. But sharing cliches and superficiality is exactly what we do when we say, hi, how are you, when we really don't expect an answer in return and honestly often really don't want one. Just like you say when you open the door, how you doing today? You don't expect people to tell you. In fact, socially speaking, if people do tell you, you find that that's off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it cues you in right away that there's probably something going on. I have found myself doing this a lot lately at work when people ask me, how are you doing? Like I hear those words and it snaps something in my head and I'm like, I better buck up and I better be positive and I better speak life. So I'm like, I'm great. I'm great. It's good. Mm. Everything's good. How are you? When actually that's the farthest from the truth at times. For sure. So socially, you've already learned a long time ago that that's not really being asked. It's a greeting. But I was watching someone who had moved from Europe and was coming here and trying to acclimate to the, you know, culture Culture. and saying, that's the most odd thing is that our greeting is, how are you? And no one expects or wants a response. Your response is always fine. 
mm-hmm. or good. No matter how you are culturally, it's just a hello and nothing else. But the guy from Europe was saying it was so difficult to get used to because mm-hmm. you want to believe they're meaningful and heartfelt questions, but they're not. No, that's social niceties. It is interesting to think about like our culture and even where we live, what are our social niceties? That's probably the main one. So level two is sharing information. Which is what we usually do in work. It's fact reporting, it's sharing and receiving, give and take. It's necessary information in a marriage. It's managing the family, syncing your schedules, discussing your finances, the logistics, you know, like everything you would do in a business. A lot of people say we run a fine business of marriage here in this home. Ooh. Like we're good at it. But... There's always a but after that, but we'll leave that for a little later. There's a risk of other people making a mistake in your facts and figures because you're giving information back and forth. And often communication in a marriage just stops at this level. And that's what the um, we run a good business in this marriage means. So you're saying the majority of marriages stay at level two. I'm saying often they stay at two. So that looks like who's picking up the kid? Mm-hmm. Who's got games? We've got which birthday parties this week? What do we need from the grocery store? What's on our calendar? What's the budget? Where are we going on vacation? What are we going to paint this room? Don't forget the kid. Who's mowing the grass? <laughs> <laughs> Even goals like saving and retirement and all of that. It's all information sharing. I will say in a family there is a lot of information to share with schedules and work and kids' activities and calendars. I just think of what my calendar looks like. I have color-coded my calendar with different... I have a color for family, a color for kids, a color for work, a color for church, a color for health. And it's like a big rainbow that looks like Skittles melted all over a piece of paper. So there is a lot in this information just running a family. And guess what? Can you guys imagine what happens in a couple that isn't even good at this? What happens in a family that isn't even good at this? It could cause a lot of stress. Kids could get left behind. One partner could feel like they're doing, they do everything. And the other one is completely disengaged. Imagine not having information sharing, that the communication is so poor. That would be stressful. If you're in that kind of relationship and you have children, somebody is going to definitely feel like they're carrying the whole entire load. If they're not communicating that whole colored schedule you just described, that means that's your scheduling software. And so that's keeping you going. Yeah, it's your burden. And sometimes I feel like there may be one person in the family that is responsible for everybody's schedule, not just their own especially when you have kids that they're in the age where they start doing things and things get scheduled for them. But the parents still responsible for driving them, picking them up, making arrangements, checking on things. So if the majority of your day or, I mean, even season is sharing information, you've got to work to get into level three, four, five. If level two is requiring so much of you three four and five is like work to get to some people may not it's relational 
like they have the capacity mm-hmm. to get to level three, which let's talk about that. Level three. Wait, I wanted, I wanted oh. to tell you one more thing because I like okay. you to think about how hard it can get for people. Also on two, so we just talked about maybe there isn't sharing going on and how that burden would fall on one person to carry the schedule. I also wanted to sh- uh, shed light on when people aren't good at communicating because of different processes that are in their brain. So maybe they think they're communicating, but how frustrating that is to the other partner. Maybe like the husband would be frustrated because the wife thinks she's communicating, but she's a poor communicator. She's very disorganized in her thought process and expects that he's getting all this information and expects that he's helping, but he has no idea what's going on because of a disability in sharing information. I've been guilty of that with my family. I schedule like business trips or I've had to travel for work and it's so far in advance when it gets scheduled, but then it gets closer and closer and I'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm going out of town. Will somebody take me to the airport? And I can remember Jaden saying, what? You didn't tell me this? And I'm like, "Mm, I feel like I did a long time ago, but maybe you forget. (laughs) And then there's some times where I'm like, yeah, maybe I didn't because it was so far in advance. I didn't think about it. I said, I'll tell them closer. So imagine that repetitive pattern in a relationship and why people might come into counseling, even here with the dysfunction in level two because of the frustration year after year after year of that kind of thing, where didn't I tell you? No, you didn't tell me, but I think I did tell you. And then the conflict that emerges out of that and the resentment that begins to fester. And then when people form a belief that something is going to occur, like this is always going to occur with Beth, then they begin to watch for it. Mm -hmm. And so then even if you did share eight out of 10 times appropriately, at this point, I'll be screening for how you don't because I'm already set up for it, which if you have this problem eight out of 10 times, you're not communicating well, but that that causes resentment. Huge amounts of resentment, which is reasons that people get derailed distant, in there. distant from each other. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like level one, two, three, four, and five function as levels of difficulty. Level one's the easiest, mm-hmm. two's easy, three's harder. But really what you're saying is there are really aspects of difficulty where people really struggle in everyone. In every level. Yeah, even number one, including I don't understand social norms. So I don't function well there. Mm-hmm. You know, people come to counseling. Oh, for, for yeah. too. Yes. And also, I will say that you'll get hung up. Theoretically, Get if you get hung up on one of these, it's going to be difficult to go deeper down into communication. It's like Maslow's. Because it is a bit of a, a ladder. But if you get hung up somewhere along the way, it's going to affect what comes next. And what comes next after level two is level three, which is sharing ideas and opinions. Right. That's when we begin to share little pieces of ourselves, kind of starting to reveal who we are. It's something that somebody could disagree with. So that's a risk, especially if you have a strong need to be liked or to please. It's sharing opinions about what you want to do. So if you think about it, if you say, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. You're not sharing of yourself, which honestly you may not care. I just picked that because it's easy. But when you are trying to talk with someone that always, I don't care, whatever you want to do, they don't bring substance in and you feel it. You're also not getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Or it feels like there's not something to get to know. Or you have people who say, I don't care where we go to eat. And then you say, well, let's go to 
Chipotle's. Oh, no, not there. I'm, <laughs> I'm you, famous for You start that. going through the list and they're like, <laughs> oh, I don't like that place. No. And then you're like, well, you do care. You'd be sharing how you feel about issues. This is where relationship really gets started, where people get to know each other, where people that were acquaintances can begin to move towards a deeper understanding. So more like friends. And you find this level where we start gravitating towards people who are more like us? I guess to the degree, if you're attracted to people like you. I feel like we talked about this just quickly at the women's conference where you were saying, you know, what is safe? Well, it's safe to invite someone for coffee. And is it okay to go up to level three where you're saying you're beginning to get to know if you connect yeah, you weren't sharing five and four because you didn't know them yet. But yeah, you'd have to be going through to get to coffee. You'd have to, you'd be starting at one where you met someone like I would meet you. Oh, hi, Kate. How are you? Fine. When we first saw each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we would progress through these steps where we'd see each other multiple weeks in a row saying, hi, how are you? And then we might start to say things like, what have you been up to? Or what are you doing this week? information sharing, do you want to get together for coffee on Friday? So that's also a bid, um, which isn't in these levels, but it's okay. It's a, it's communication, but that's a bid for connection. Do you want to have coffee this week? Okay. Unless I'm going to sell you something, then that's just a bid for <laughs> your time. And then getting into to go to coffee, you're probably not going to just sit there and share information unless you're going to coffee to plan like a podcast or to plan a women's event or to do something for work. Otherwise, if you're going to coffee with someone that you've met and you're working on building a social relationship with, then you're going to start, yes, sharing and getting to know thoughts and opinions that make you uniquely you and the person that you're with uniquely them. You would definitely be going through that. And then to answer your question, then out of that, you're going to probably begin to make at least subconscious decisions about whether you'd ever want to have coffee again, because we tend to attract towards people that I guess are at least somewhat like us or that we enjoy their company. We have to have something to discuss besides information if we're Mm going to hang out. In this very polarized atmosphere that we've been in, it seems like it's been heightened in the last several years. I find people just being so polarized that they can't even come to the middle to share opinions and ideas. And maybe it's social media because people are can be terrible on social media and they're not sitting in front of a person and they feel brave behind their avatar. But yeah, and I would say what's happening in that cultural thing that you're explaining is really just serving to separate people and divide them. Because if you're going to be in relationship, you're going to have to find people that are safe for you. And you're going to have to be safe, or you just will not be in relationship. Mm. So which would be a whole nother day would be talking about what it is to be with safe people and what is a safe person. In a nutshell, if you have to jam your ideas, whatever they are down someone else's throat, then you're not going to be a safe person. And you're not going to hang out for a lot of coffees with someone that you feel that dynamic's happening happening, or that you have to keep going back up to level two of just sharing information. Socially speaking, as this is a progression into social relationships. And when we're talking about couples or sharing ideas and opinions, what are the things that stop that from happening? There would be so many things. 
I would like you guys to think about what stops it for you. If Chris were continually critical of my opinions. Mm -hmm. So feeling shut down. Totally. So that will probably fall into conversation about people not being safe. We're not saying Chris isn't safe. Oh, no, I'm just giving an issue. It's like an if, example. If you're yeah. that way, then I feel like I would respond that way. And people get shut down for, or not shut down, but people are affected in their own personalities and their, their personality structure. Like maybe if someone questions an idea or asks for further explanation, that can shut a person down. It really has a lot to do with our own experiences, what we've learned, our personality, trauma experiences, what's been safe, what hasn't been safe, how much I think I will reveal myself to others, how much I like to just stay behind the wall. Because even in level three, we're still actually just talking about opinions and not even so much about deeply into feelings or very vulnerable, but maybe a little bit of feelings about an opinion. So it's still not or an issue. sharing the deepest level of us is just sharing something about us. So there's more risk in it. Like if you talk about your opinion on politics, you are sharing a bit of you and that's a risk. And what you're describing in today's world is a huge risk because of where we're at in the world today. Mm -hmm. Not as big of a deal years ago. So moving up the ladder to level four, we've got sharing values and feelings. Which is a much more of a risk because now we're sharing what we feel and what our motives are, what drives us, what our hopes and our dreams are, which is where you can start to feel judged if you have that, you know, problem, if people know what motivates you, what drives you, what you dream about, you will start to become friends here. Again, attracting people that have similar values and motives into our lives. Talking about what we care about, our passions. We talk about the state of our being, why we're hurt or upset. So you know how our moods come in and they come out like storms. And then with our friends, we're telling them why. In level one, someone says, how are you doing? We say, perfectly fine. If I'm in a level four relationship with you and you say, what's up today, Mel? I'm probably going to tell you. In fact, we do. How are you guys doing on that? And how does that feel safe and not safe? What has been your experiences? I just had this experience with Jaden this week where I could find myself getting agitated about something. She's like, why are you so bothered by that? And I had to like backtrack because it was it seemed insignificant, but... Mm. Like it was almost like a, a bunny trail, like you said this and it made me think about this and then it makes me mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like because I feel like I'm being a bad mom right now and that pushes yes. my buttons when on the surface it had absolutely nothing to do with that at all. But I my think that might have been that might have been a level five when Ooh. you did that good work right there where you actually really tracked back and then you really became vulnerable with something deep inside of you that triggered me feeling like a bad mom, which is like a deep thing for you. But in all of that, you really have to know yourself for you to be able to walk through all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it had to do... The weather was terrible this week, so I had two days where I was working remotely. And I mean, I could work sun up till sundown and still have more work to do. But she was off school and she was bored and we're trapped in the house. And, and when we, you know, she's like, why are you so bothered when I said that? You know, I started thinking like, because I'm feeling guilty, like I'm working, but you're here wanting me to do something with you. And I have to make a choice. And mm. 
I didn't choose you. I chose work because I'm technically working right now and I'm a bad mom. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's the bunny trail that it goes to instead of taking a step back and saying, you know what, I'm working until this time and then I'll shut my computer off and then we'll make plans and do something. After you recognize that, what happened? That's when I had to make a plan to say, I'm going to be done working at this time, and then we'll go do what you wanted to do. And did that help your feeling, I'm being a bad mom? I feel like my button was still being poked a little bit because it wasn't the exact answer that she wanted at the moment. That's that's how when we talk about where people like in here, why why doesn't someone do something or why are they stuck? It's It's all of that deeper stuff. I think your solution was fantastic. I work till four and then we can play just like every other day from four to eight and you're 15 and you could uh, figure it out. Right. Make it a goat walk or do something with your friends or FaceTime. And I I think that it exasperated it because we were stuck in the house for two days and she needs social interaction Mm -hmm. and connection and no one was there to give it to her, you know, and so she was as creative as she could be. But then, you know, by three o'clock, she's like, okay, I need some people time. Yeah, which you only needed like one more hour. Then your balance (laughs) is cutting it off at the four or five. And we're back. Anything, (laughs) anything for you on sharing values and feelings? Well, just you saying that you were aware of what was happening and you were able to track back to the real issue, it just makes me wonder how mentally and emotionally healthy do you have to be to work in levels four and five? You're very aware. Do we have to teach people, you know, all Mm -hmm. of these things to even get to these deep and difficult levels? Well, probably at least to get through the obstacles to them. Yeah, because anytime on that, anytime you feel a rise in your emotions, so some people feel it in their head, their shoulders, in their gut, but anytime you feel a rise, if you're progressing towards being a healthy individual and a safe individual, you're learning the skill of asking what just happened there. And people that aren't operating healthily or maturely are just react react, 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 react. I feel it. I react. I feel it. I react. And without really exploring, it can be moments or it can take longer depending where you're at with this, but without exploring what was that about, then you're just reacting. So you might feel an emotion, you might cognitively think that's anger, and then you just lash out. So that's a reaction, you know, so then you yell, then you scream, then you hit. That's all reaction, reaction, reaction. Mm -hmm. Like I imagine in your scenario that your if you were to label that feeling that you were having, it would have been irritability, agitated. So they're all anger feelings. And if you were act, you would say, get out of the room, right? Because that immediately offloads the steam, the pressure that's building. It's easy to do all that, lash out put it out there, make it about everybody else. Then we sit here, you did that higher work where you're like, what is this about? And trace it all back to your internal feelings that weren't right or wrong. They just are. Your own struggle with balancing work and home, your own struggle with motherhood and career. And it had nothing to do with the kid. And then I asked you if once you solved the problem, if you felt better, and probably over time you did, because you came up with a great solution. I'm going to balance it. I'm going to do both. You're going to wait a little bit, and I'm going to stop a little bit. And now we, we have balance. You did conflict resolution with yourself. You know, you balanced yourself. You gave a solution once you figured out what the real problem was. If you would have reacted to get out of the room, that wasn't the real problem. Because that wasn't a problem either. Her in the room or out of the room isn't right or wrong. 
So that's how noticing the feelings inside of you, just the feeling, the physical feeling you get, and then being able to label what the feeling is or what the thought is coming with the feeling is how you can then pick what you need to do. Right, because these levels three and four and five, they can't and don't happen in a perfect world. So if it were a perfect world, we would share our values and our feelings and our opinions and they would be accepted and then we would feel loved and valued and accepted. But even in functioning in levels three, four and five, we run into these issues where it's not perfect and there are repercussions and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to bump up against someone else's feelings and values and ideas and experiences. And if they're sharing feelings that have to do with you and your relationship, like I'm feeling like I'm not getting my needs met and they're saying something about how they feel about you and you're defensive about that, that can shut down that mm -hmm. level really quick when you feel like you have to then you start deflecting or you start mm -hmm. defending or you start, you and know. It's invalidating. Yeah. If someone says how I feel, which is truly how I feel, that's different than me coming to you and saying a bunch of you statements. You are doing this and you're acting like that and your motive is this and your intention is that. That's going to bring up anger and it should because it's it's violating boundaries and it's a lot of blame shifting. But if I come to you and I say, as a result of this, I feel this way. And then you tell me I don't. It's very invalidating. It will 100% stop a conversation from going forward and usually shoot it off down a bunny trail where we then begin to argue about something else. And we get really off of the main topic, which is I came to you because when this happens, I feel this way. And we'll be over here now talking about tell me when, tell me when this happened, tell me the last time you, and it'll just go on and on and on and on. So I usually tell people in my office, and I haven't run a formal study on this one either, but I'm sure of it. If you are in an argument for more than 15 minutes, you have lost your path. There's no way if you're actually arguing. Now, I'm not saying discussing. I'm not saying having a conversation. I'm not saying talk about back and forth. I felt like this and you felt like that and I felt like this. And hmm, that's very interesting. And tell me more about that. That's a conversation. And then like, what are we going to do about it? That's a conversation. But if you're back and forth and back and forth and you're digressing for more than 15 minutes you're on so many bunny trails that if I came in and I stopped you I said stop what are you guys even arguing about you'd have to really think what is it that we originally started with the whole world and the kitchen sink mm -hmm. yeah that's what I do in the conflict management with couples is get them first to recognize that's happening and someone wave the white flag and say either I've lost control or we've lost control but let's stop and take a break because you got to take that break and get your blood pressure back down so that you can get back into actual problem solving. If you're out there and you're just lobbing bombs back and forth and you're arguing over 15 minutes, you're for sure just trying to be right and you're probably trying to be hurtful at this point. So moving up to our ultimate level, level five communication. Level five is sharing oh, yeah. intimacy and confession. Yes, where you share the deepest part of who you are and you're taking the greatest risk because you're really letting someone get to know who you are. It's also where we share what we've done wrong as well as what we've done right. So it's usually easier, you know, to share what we've done right than what we've done wrong. Everybody would ag agree. We share in confession here. 
So when we're really working on recovery from something, you know, we have people with sponsors, partners, accountability. So we're really asking them to be vulnerable with their real, who they are. You have to be humble. This is humility and the lack of humility, which I don't mean that in any way like anyone is overtly proud, but what I've seen is the level of humility it takes to be sharing in this level, like with an accountability partner in recovery. It takes huge amounts of humility. This is where vows are shared. This is where you're being completely open and honest. You're sharing the deepest, scariest parts of you, knowing the risk and still deciding to be vulnerable. This is my issue with journaling. <laughs> I can write journal level for five, <laughs> level five with my journal. And then I think, oh my gosh, what if I'm in a car accident and I don't come home and my kids or my husband see what's in my journal. So go ahead. So then, and I don't even want to see it. Like I'll write stuff down and I'm like, I do not want to go back and read that. So I have in the past taken my stapler and stapled all around the pages like a hundred staples. hundred <laughs> staples. <laughs> and then... I thought like, you burned them. Well, no, that was step one. And then step two, I'm like, they could undo the staples. So I'll, I'll rip the whole chunk out and burn it. I have like 10 journals that have chunks of paper out. I don't like that. I don't know who's going to yeah. see that journal when I die. So I'm like, I... <laughs> If you were to work through that, so it's funny because journaling is actually an exercise in learning how to be completely vulnerable and confessional and facing your real self. So it's interesting that you have an uncomfortableness with your own self, ultimately, because you're speaking it, you're writing it on the page, and then you're having to look at it. And you're saying, I don't like to look at that. I don't even want to contemplate that. And I'm, I bet it's not even bad knowing you. It's so <laughs> vulnerable and scary. And going back, remember at the beginning where we talked about saying how we really are in our culture, and mm -hmm. now we're down to five and we're saying how we really are, and you don't even want to see for yourself how you really are yourself. Then how would you ever share that, who you really are in a relationship? And then you're going to ask, you ask, how do we get into these things? So I'm just sharing with you that it's a practice and it's a practice with sitting and the anxiety of it. And then asking yourself how that would really impact your life or change or make a difference if you're dead and someone finally got to know the real you. What impact is that going to have on you? Dead. I'll be up with Jesus. I don't know if I'd care. Exactly. <laughs> But it's enough anxiety that currently holds you back from the exercise. So when we talk about these levels, thinking about either in a relationship like a husband-wife relationship or parent-child or friendships or even teams that work together, should we be moving in and out of all these levels? Is there like a healthy one to spend most of your time on or what? If you're, what does healthy communication in different types of yeah, settings it work, look like? I w it work in teams. I don't think you need to be going below level three. It's going to get very you murky. Mean above? I guess how I see it is going down, but I guess it is going up, really. I always see it going down because I see it as stair steps down mm, into more vulnerability. Yes. I don't see us as climbing up into our head. I see us as walking down into our heart. 
And so okay, I've always seen it as good. going down another level, down another level, down another level. So in teams. So in teams, I would say that you're deep enough at level three. Yeah. Because you don't go to your teams for the stuff that you do in level four, and it will make boundary issues and problems. That makes We have to have some separation in our relationships, like we talked in the previous uh, podcast, too, on our circles of relationships and where people are in them. And if you pluck too many people out of your level five, which you couldn't possibly because nobody has very many people in that, and put them up here in your work relationships and try to have that be the same trouble, problems, difficulty. But for the sake of your intimate relationships, which you know you have, you don't, you're not declaring intimacy because you get to level five. You, you're telling me you have an intimate relationship because this is your spouse. This is my best friend. So then we would be wanting to get really known. We want to know someone. We want to be known. And to do that, we have to progress down through these levels of communication. Mel, why do you think people get stuck on level one or level two in their intimate relationships with their spouses or and they have a hard time getting to the three, four or five in an intimate relationship where they should be communicating at a deeper level? Yeah, there's so many reasons that I would really have to do sit down with you or a person and really assess what's going on with communication. But you could get hung up anywhere for all kinds of reasons. There could be trauma. There could be what you learned in your family about communication, things that you've experienced in relationships that make you feel less safe, anxieties. You could simply just not want to. You could be resistant. You could want to hold yourself out from vulnerability. You could want to not be close to others. There's a lot of various reasons why people would get hung up. And if there's couples out here listening or even individuals that hear what we're saying and it's like, ooh, I think I spend the most of my time in this level and I probably should be going to a deeper level with my spouse. What is some practical advice to get better at communicating on a deeper level? I think it, it's not going to be very easy to give like a couple one, two, three step plans because it depends where you're at and what's going on. But the first and most critical step is really going to be knowing yourself and understanding yourself and what's really going on inside of you that keeps you from holding yourself out of relationships or operating healthily in relationships. So it's going to be starting with knowing about yourself. How this works out, if you came in and you had a communication issue and I figure all this out and I'm like, you're stuck there, then we start to push with you and work with you to take risks, to be vulnerable, to get safe, to be a safe person, and to start to make relationships and exercise, build your muscle with sharing more ideas about yourself, beginning to share values and feelings, sharing intimacy and confession, like with your spouse. And I would be putting pressure on you to, to face your own monsters and what's holding you back from doing it. So all of this is to, to get you into the fullness of what relationship actually can be and have the benefit of what relationship can be. And honestly, some people don't, they don't care. And then they're not going to ask to go deeper. And I'm just currently starting to get some understanding of how people operate in relationship, whether they have a volatile relationship, which could be okay, which I never did know that was okay, but it can if it's equally matched. And there can be people that are more, they want like this harmony, 
So they're more like, what would you like? You know, and they want to approach it that way. And if they're equally matched, it can be okay. And then there's couples that are more emotionally avoidant and they kind of just avoid all these things. And maybe that's somewhat you're talking about too. And it can be okay if they're equally matched. Where they run into problems is when they're not equally matched. So they fall in one of those categories as a person, but their partner falls in a different one. And now somebody or both people feel unfulfilled and frustrated and it begins to create all kinds of difficulty. So very interesting. There's so much See to why talk I about. I'm like, you could go. And I, <laughs> when wow. she's like, let's just sit down and talk about you. I know. No, this is good. You don't understand cool. my brain. I was like, no. This is like <laughs> dumping Legos out on the floor and being like. <laughs> no, this is good. Let's deal with every and color. Look, we have our next topic, too. We'll be. Well, we can bounce. That's yeah. easier. At least it gives us direction. What Boy. are you thinking? Thinking about the comment you just said a moment ago where there are people who just don't want to or just don't care. Or almost don't need it. They don't have that need. So if you take someone that doesn't have a need for like a deep emotional connection and you pair them with some, someone that's very emotive, they're so frustrated and miserable, oh. which you see all the time. Oh, so this can happen not only in marriages, but also in friendships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just easier to get out of friendships because they just naturally drift off then. You didn't make a vow for life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like the implications for that, especially like... It makes me start thinking about church mm-hmm. and how that works, and like in the body of Christ, and right. like you know, to be in that kind of setting, you have to live in a four, you know. Yeah, and, and I bet you got some people in there that feel enticed by the advertisement of intimacy. They're right. enticed, but they are resistant. Like in the at the end of it. You probably feel like you're twisting arms to get them to actually say a true feeling because they're yes, too is... locked up, terrified, guarded, armored. When people come in and they say things like use even faith, like faith is one of the big things since people come in from the faith community and they say things like, that's all behind me and Jesus has that. Ding, 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 ding. Now, I actually know that things can be behind you and Jesus can have it. However, if you don't say at the same time, that was a very difficult, dark, painful. So like lots of emotional words that tells me that you got it, that that was painful, that that was bad, that shouldn't have happened. It's ugly. If you can't say that and then say, but now I've overcome, here's, it's okay. And Jesus is taking care of it. I've worked this process, then I know that Jesus is really just your go-to barrier from ever having to deal with or experience or process the feeling that really came from that. And it's like a chisel to work with people of faith on that issue, because I think they think that that's how that looks, that I don't feel anything or I'm not being victorious in Christ. And then you're very unhealthy because you're walking around now not feeling anything and promoting to everybody else to not feel anything either. So now we all run off into hiding because, well, if Kate and Beth don't feel it, I can't feel it because then I don't measure up. We get into all that social stuff. And the reason why we're talking about this and why we think this is so important is we were created to be in relationship with others. God, you know, in Genesis, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were together. And then God created man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created woman and his plan for us is to be in relationship and to have community with others and not to be isolated and alone. So 
It's not always easy. This can be difficult. But the reason why we're having these conversations and talking about relationships this month and, you know, the struggles and how we overcome them and how we get better is because it is so important. And Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I come to give you life and give you life abundantly. And so this abundant life that we're talking about, part of that is healthy relationships with God, with ourselves, with other people. And so it is work sometimes because we've all had experiences that have hurt us or shut us down or made us feel like that's not safe and I don't want to go there. But it's ultimately God created us to be in relationship. And so this is important. The fact is we're created as social creatures. You can't help it. You can't help it. Right. So you're either going to function well or you're going to function bad, but you're going to be social because you can't help it. Yeah. Chris was just talking about that in his sermon a couple of weeks ago and well, in December, the idea that inherently you're mm-hmm. social it, and it's not about whether you want to or feel or guilty should. about it or should. Right. You can't help it. But that inherently you cannot help it. And he was just saying... It's so true. Like you see that movie. What's the movie with Tom Hanks and his and Wilson the Ball? Castaway. But he he used Castaway as an example in the sermon. Like if you are taken from mm-hmm. a relationship or from people, you'll end up creating mm-hmm. something that will keep you from going insane. And which die, is, you'll die. Yeah. Right? If you, right. right. And you have abundant life, or you do it bad, and you do not have abundant life. Those mm-hmm. are your choices. And we want to live in abundance. Mm-hmm. You have anything to say to wrap it up? Oh, I think that's great. I've loved this conversation. I want to have a thousand more conversations that stem off of levels one through five. And I feel like every time we have these conversations, my brain goes, ding, 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 ding. It lights up in all these areas and makes me want to talk more. And I know that people have said that from the conference and the other podcasts. So I'm really grateful to be doing this. Yeah. Thank you, Mel, for sharing your time and your expertise with us. And we appreciate you and we value you and this is good stuff so we will have you back on again mel's going to be one of our regular podcast guests helping us learn about ourselves and have better relationships so thanks for coming in today thank you make sure you tune in next week for another special guest bye Bye. you can't have one